0: the purpose-driven entrepreneur podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to the show. It is your host, Matt Browning. I'm so uh, blessed and excited to be here. This interview today is with uh, someone I've been dying to get onto the show for months now, uh, we were introduced from a mutual friend. Many of you know my friend Maggie Mayfield. I was on her, her show, Y-Tune Shuffle. She's a producer at Coast 103.5. Um, Maggie introduced me to our guest, Madison, here with me right now. And like I said, I've been dying to get her on. She's an actress, a producer, a writer, and she owns her own production company called Madness Pictures. After graduating from uh, pre-law and history at UCLA, You've seen her acting all over the place. She's been on NBC, ABC, True TV and HBO on shows like Westworld and dozens of TV and film, including most recently producing her own feature film, Ice the Movie. Madison's also trained at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado in figure skating and competed for Team USA with the Los Angeles Ice Theater. She, of course, also is a Young Girls Ambassador for an anti-bullying uh, organization, Boo to Bullying. So blessed to have you, Madison. Welcome to the show, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm great, thanks so much for having me.
0: This is, uh, I wanna jump right in with you. So, first question for you is, you grew up, I'm assuming, I've never met a figure skater who didn't grow up skating. How old were you when you started? And yeah. did, you, did you naturally move towards it? Or was it a thing that kind of a parent pushed you into it and you learned to love it? I'm curious how that, that was growing up.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I had been watching skating with my mom forever and ever in my, my baby days. Uh, any sort of like nutcracker on ice Christmas special, whenever it was on, I was just glued to it. So when I was four, four and a half, uh, my mom finally took me to the rink and you can ask her after that it was pretty much love at first sight it was more a problem of getting me off the ice than getting me on the ice
0: (laughs) did you ever roller skate or is that completely drastically different i don't know i don't understand these things
1: you know what it's pretty different and i will say it's kind of embarrassing watching me roller skate it's it's not quite the same thing i'm not as good
0: (laughs) so did you start doing classes right away like at four and then you just kind of kept on going all through childhood was it a constant in your life
1: yeah, it was really, it was. I feel like I was raised by skating in so many ways, and uh, I was fortunate to have my mother be so supportive because. Since it is an individual sport, it requires a really strong parent that's willing to take you to all the practices and all the ballet and help you get costumes. And it's, it's very immersive and very time consuming. So most of my childhood was characterized in some way or another by figure skating.
0: So some kids just have to play piano inside every day after school. You went ice skating constantly. Where, what area did you grow up in?
1: So I grew up, in a suburb of Denver called Lone Tree, Colorado. And sort of probably by the time I was 11, I was commuting to Colorado Springs. Uh, There's an Olympic training facility there and an ice rink at the Broadmoor World Arena. Very, very famous. A lot of champions have come out of that facility. And I started training uh, full-time there into my teen years.
0: So from, from training in that, what was your dream? Were you, were you thinking as a kid, okay, I'm going to the Olympics. Or are you thinking I'm going to be in the movies? Are you thinking, uh, I'm going to be a coach one day? Like what's the, what's the kid dream and what's the teenage dream? Why, like, what was the end goal?
1: So the kid dream was of course, oh, I want to go to the Olympics and, but even more than that, as a kid, it was just, figure skating was the love of my life like I just wanted to skate forever I just couldn't imagine a world where skating wasn't a part of it Um, and then as I became a teenager and sort of developed my own very specific skating style I realized that I loved uh, performing there's so many different aspects to being a competitive figure skater there's the athletic side and the creative side and I started to really understand that I'm a performer. It's the, the creating the characters and selecting the music and the costumes. There was really something there, um, and that's when I had this first bug in my mind that maybe someday I want to try acting.
0: So walk walk me through. If you're let's just say you're training for the Olympics and you're like I'm going to do this right. When when I watch a figure skater on TV and they're doing this routine how much leeway is there in the creativity? Like how much has a team or a coach or something built it? How much are you maybe, I wanna say copying, but you're using like standard, say move sets or whatnot. And how much is like creative license for you? Do you go from scratch and make it all? How collaborative is it? Chat me up on that.
1: Sure, it's a very collaborative process. So you have a certain set of technical elements that you have to accomplish for your routine. And there's certain other restrictions such as, okay, if it's a short program or a long program, it has to be a certain time limit that you can't go under or over. But within that structure, there is so much room for creativity. And I oftentimes work with a choreographer And my coach and myself to to decide what sort of character and world we're going to create. And for me personally, I've always went to different film scores as sort of a starting point for my programs or routines, as it were. I love that. I've skated to the Mask of Zorro. I've skated to the score from A Beautiful Mind. Like I love I loved incorporating film scores into my routines because I could always watch the movies and be like, oh okay, like maybe I can bring a little of that into that and sort of my little secret, you know, the person watching the routine doesn't know why the performer is so connected to the routine, but but they are and they can feel that. Um so yeah, it was crazy. Like I remember before music is so much easier to access these days, but I would go to old music stores with my mom and we'd look for like tapes, like cassettes and try and find scores there. And then we try and like cut together like, oh, could we put this movie with this movie and and make it two and a half minutes skating routine? Like what would that outfit look like? So yeah, really, really, really cool.
0: So you would do that with everybody, with your mom, with with a coach, with a choreographer, and then you'd bring your flair. So you might like pick the score and say, I wanna do this song. This is the music I want to skate to. And do you already have like the ideas of what, what sets you're going to do and what does that look like? Um, How, how long is it? How long is a set or, or a performance generally?
1: So each skater does what's called a short program, which is about two and a half minutes. And then they also have a long program, which is about four minutes. That
0: doesn't seem very long to me. (laughs) Hi.
1: double axles and triple toe loops and <laughs> cardiovascularly it, it's pretty long all of a sudden they actually a bit, so, someone did a study not all that long ago where they said it takes more athletic endurance to do a long program in figure skating than it does to play an entire period of NHL hockey so I was like yes <laughs> I'm finally actually...
0: someone understands
1: <laughs> yeah um, so yeah you, when you compete you compete with both of those programs and then they combine the score of both to determine who uh, places in in what positions and whatnot
0: how old were you when you realized that you might do more than figure skating like like, again at a certain age did you think this is what my life is going to be and then did you say you know this is part of my life but i need to move into a future of something different and curious on how what was that feeling like what was the thought process like or have you ever have you even done that
1: so it was in my later teens when I was I was suffering through a series of injuries and just not great performances I just I was I was going through a rough patch and that was a time when a lot of my peers at school were talking about college and what they were going to do next and it sort of really hit me that uh I, I did want to go to college. Like, I wanted to go to school. That was important to me. And so I applied to UCLA, which I thought was this stretch dream school. And my essay was all about the the language of skating and how I had trained with people from all over the world and Colorado Springs and how it was so neat because no matter where you were from, we all had this very common understanding of the language of the ice and and what we went through we had this shared struggle and this this camaraderie and i i really i i think that essay is what got me in <laughs> uh because it it was so pure and just so um it just made me such an, an interesting candidate uh as an athlete and a student so and then I, I i did actually skate on ucla's figure skating team when i was at school so i got i found this way to really continue doing what i loved um with, you know, giving up the dream of, oh, the Olympics and, and sort of that hardcore training aspect, I did still find a way to keep it a part of my life.
0: And I, I see it, it's, what's the difference between figure skating and quote unquote turning pro? Because I know at some point you were, you've been figure skating the town, you're going through school. And I saw that you, uh, after you turned pro, you had performed in the Winter Wonderland on ice at SeaWorld. In yes. December tell me about that what was that experience like and what does that mean to quote unquote turn pro
1: yeah so turning pro means that you are no longer an amateur skater but you are now being paid to skate professionally
0: so that's the difference I'm getting paid
1: yeah. so I'm getting paid yes we so I guess
0: that's like everything else there's uh, what does it mean to be I, I do rock climbing what's a pro climber well it's the, the only difference is instead of paying you get paid
1: <laughs> I But you're not
0: necessarily better or worse.
1: Well, there is something to be said for, so it also means that I have tested through every level that you can test to in figure skating. So I have, I'm a senior lady, double gold medalist, which means that I've tested to the highest level that I can in the sport of figure skating. And whether you were going to go to the Olympics or do shows, you would have to test it through the highest level.
0: So when you so, test at the highest level, now any company like, say, SeaWorld, for instance, they can look and go, okay, that's a resume thing. That's like saying I have this degree or this certification yeah. in a way. you They know what your ability is and they know that they can count on you?
1: Yes. It's it's very equivocal to to that. And what I I loved so much about, you know, professional skating, it's also sometimes called show skating, is it was. It was that um, – side of me that loved the performance aspect it was being so truly celebrated and it wasn't so much more about how well technically you did this jump or this jump you got this many points it was well how are you engaging the audience do people want to watch you do they want to are they did you make their day better because they got to see you skate you know this idea that there's a, a communication between an audience seeing my work as an artist uh that was sort of the first time i had that That flip of the switch in my brain because previously I I had just seen it as, well, I'm an athlete, I'm doing a number, these judges are going to judge me, and then, you know, that's that. But this idea that there could be a creative communication between a performer and an audience got me really excited.
0: So really, for the first time, stepping out of I'm an athlete into really, I'm a performer, I'm an artist, I'm creating an experience for the person watching, putting a smile on somebody's face. You know what you sound like? You sound like a stand-up comic, a professional wrestler, more like a professional wrestler probably. Now-
1: Definitely that. <laughs>
0: anyone, anyone listening to the show knows I'm, I'm a huge non-closet fan of pro wrestling I've, ever since I was a little kid. But the thing, and I'm curious, I want to ask you this question because, well, I, I think you have, you have a similar enough industry that you're in. Mm-hmm. I love professional wrestling. And the reason I love it is I think it's one of the hardest performance arts there is because right. they're doing like live athletic stunt shows essentially, whether it's flips and jumps or it's actual, you know, body slams and things like that. But there's an incredible amount of athleticism, but then they're also putting on a performance And it's all live improv, right? So it's in the moment and and they don't script, you know, they'll, they'll figure out a few things they want to do, but for the most part, they say, Hey, let's go out there and kind of do this and kind of do that. And then they put on this show and then it's all about the audience engagement, trying to get 16, 18,000 people live and millions around the world to lean in and go, Oh, what's the story you're telling? Right. And most people watching pro wrestling don't think about it as a story. They call it fake fighting. And it's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's a story. They're out there in the ring, right, through this kind of performance art thing. They're telling a story. And when you started talking about figure skating, I think, man, that's – it's something that I think people might miss the nuance of that. They might go, oh, it's just doing the moves. Mm-hmm. But talk to me about the performance art of it, the maybe even the story of it. And I don't mean like, okay, here's the story for the song, but like, well, I guess so you bring in the music and you can't just – do a bunch of great moves right like wouldn't you right. to put a, a great performance i'm assuming i'm guessing there would be peaks and valleys and there'd be a, a story arc almost to the physical performance is that safe to say and tell me your take on that
1: yeah i i totally see what you're saying about the professional wrestling i think
0: amen part- this is going to be the clip that gets promoted <laughs> for this show i see what you're saying about professional wrestling matt i know
1: I'm <laughs> It's, um, it's true. And there are some people that are just meant to be storytellers, or they have that storytelling gene. And it doesn't necessarily matter what uh, profession or outlet they're, they're going towards to express it. It's, It's still the same thing. And it's sort of the same way that when you watch an Academy Award winning movie performance on screen and and you don't know why you're like why do i want to watch this why is this person getting to me versus somebody else that you watch and you think well i just i didn't connect and and so much of it is the is the work that you don't see and in figure skating and same with ballet and gymnastics amongst our communities we always talk about how there's this You want everything to be seamless, you know. Make it look easy. Like we don't want to show the work. We don't want to show the process. Like we just want people to feel something, and just they don't even know why it's happening to them. So that is a big part of uh, the the character work and the artistic work that goes into creating a routine. Is you are you're 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 deciding like where are the moments in this where I'm going to, you know, slow down, or where am I going to speed it back up, or where am I going to, you know make sure that I stop and I I connect with somebody in the audience here. Like all of it is, is planned, but then it also has that creative um, element that I think you were even talking about with the wrestling where it's like, well, how do we, we keep it improvised too. And, and that's, especially with the, with shows, live shows, same as in theaters. I mean, there's times when someone will make a mistake or there will be something on the ice that we're going to step over and we have to adjust or the music goes out and like that. Um, that teamwork of okay, the show must go on is another element that, that factors into the game too.
0: I'm just glad you agreed with me. So excited.
1: <laughs> like that's all I care about. We're done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so from this point, you start really getting interested in performance and in theater. Was it was it always television and film, or was it, hey, I love this performance aspect of it. So let me look, because I, I know you've done some theater as well. Did, yeah. did you go theater first or film first?
1: I actually, I did a little web series in college for the, they had a show that ran on the dorms and it was this spy web series thing. It was really cool. And what I realized that I liked so much about film was that it was way more intimate than theater um, in the sense that you could really connect with with somebody like right away like okay like we're looking at each other it's it's us like this idea that the camera just kind of disappears and so that was really interesting to me also this idea that um you 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 get a second chance like you can kind of like film and then you can make the story afterwards where it's exciting in live theater the the thrill of oh we have to do it right now we get one take but there's also there's a lot of pressure with that that's
0: like oh gosh, we only get one turn. <laughs> it it sure is. You know, i have I've been doing um, most. I've been doing a lot of uh, morning shows and TV lately this year, and uh-huh. almost all of them have been live. But the couple, the handful, some of them do post production. And i i It's a weird feeling. It's like when you walk in and it's live, and it's this going, then that going. They're cutting, cutting. Okay, get ready. Here we go. And then it's like all right, we got three and a half minutes, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, however it went is how it went. There's something yeah. exciting about. I don't know. I almost feel like there's sometimes a part of me that can only come out maybe when now's the moment. I feel like Eminem, you know, it's like, you know, this is your moment. Like do it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I,
1: about? I that. No, I do. Like I, I get that. And I, I have that. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie for that too. I think this is just coming to me now as I'm saying this, I think the reason that I really love film, if I had to choose between the two, it's because you're, you're creating something that will last forever. Like this idea that at this point in time, we were living these characters in this world, creating this narrative and it's 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 on film and it's this product, it's this thing that people can watch and be inspired by. And it's, it's living and breathing long after we've moved off the project. You know, we step off set and it's still there. And that just gives me chills thinking of it because sometimes with the live stuff, you're like, well, I could watch a tape of it. I could watch a tape of me skating, and it's like, okay, it, it's not the same as if you were watching it live, and you can't duplicate that. Right. Nowhere near.
0: That's why I hate watching baseball on TV. It's like you're trying. You're trying to. It's not yeah. a story. It's not a show, and you miss out on the live experience. Yeah. So you start doing. You're doing obviously all this live performance, loving that, but now you're falling in love. I'm putting words in your mouth, but you know, fall in love with the idea of, of like you said, legacy of of TV film and having something left behind. So you start, uh, acting. Tell, are there any interesting stories about, I don't know, breaking into the acting world? Some of your, uh, first auditions or some of the first shows you're landing or movies.
1: Yeah, Did you just to um,
0: everything? Did you say no to some things?
1: Oh, you have to say no to so many things. And
0: <laughs> you do see, I've, I've had to say no to zero, uh, things, <laughs> <laughs> film and TV. Well, I'm not you
1: being in Los Angeles. There are a lot of, not so kind, not so well intended people. And it, it's unfortunate, you know, that there are people that want to take advantage of you out here and whatnot. But I have found that you have to set the standard for the kind of work you want and the kind of artist you want to be right from the get go. And you just, you know, you can't do things that make you feel uncomfortable. You can't do things that conflict with your the messages that you want to ultimately deliver as an artist. So I had other friends that seemed to be working a lot at the beginning, but I, I felt like they were doing things that didn't fit within their, their, their moral compass. And I just, I just sort of knew like, okay, well it, uh, the right stuff is going to come up. It just will. And and I, I did, I did start meeting really wonderful people, a lot of great mentors. And I'm so fortunate because This is such a unique time in film and television that it's never been like this before, where you really can create your own content. This idea, I first heard it from one of my acting coaches. Yeah, if you don't see a part for you, write it, shoot it. There's there's nothing holding you back. This isn't the old studio system where, oh, if you're not signed on contract with, or you're not signed to a lot with box or whatever you're just never going to be in movies like no like if you, if you don't see the part you want make it and uh that really hit home with me
0: and the world's really changing like that too in, in all areas isn't it you know you look at um my first book was self-published my second book was with a small publisher but it was still a lot of my own work um podcasting is like that you know it's like oh i want to be on the radio i'd love to have a radio show well don't just try to you know call iHeart and see if you can replace Ryan Seacrest. Why don't you like do it and just do it. And if I create this, let me keep going at it. And then I have something that I can go to maybe the next level people with and say, Hey, here's the thing I'm doing. What do you want to show this? And there's YouTube and there's iTunes. And if you're a band, so there's so much. So you're, you're acting, you're really getting out there. You're starting, you know, you got the part in Westworld, you're doing the, um, all different stuff. And then you come to the conclusion, how long did you have the idea of producing your own film? Was that something that came to you like just before you were doing it? You know, why don't we do this this year? Or is that something you've been thinking about for a long time? Walk me through that, I, I guess, the decision process and the desire of wanting to produce your own film.
1: So uh, growing up as a skater, I was always a little bit disappointed with the skating movies that were available to myself and my peers. Uh, there, there were a couple really good ones, but I at large felt that the sport was being grossly underrepresented by Hollywood. It was, it was being very trivialized, this girly, silly sport, or it was, it just, it wasn't, something was missing the mark. So I think I'd even joked to friends in college, like, well, I'm gonna make a skating movie one day and it's gonna be right and, and whatever. And,
0: Wait, are you saying, not to interrupt, but are you saying the Blades of Glory? <laughs> With Chaz Michael Michaels, wasn't a true-to-life movie?
1: I will tell you this. Tell my me. the was actually one of the better ones. It, they, they were more accurate with their skating terminology and the relationships probably than 80% of all skating movies. So I don't have an issue with them.
0: <laughs> okay, and how does that compare to, like, The Cutting Edge? I think that's probably the most famous skating <laughs> movie, arguably, maybe, from
1: 1992. Yeah. Cutting Edge was my... Favorite, favorite movie. I loved and then in my film it was actually influenced in a lot of ways by some of the choices they made with that. Um that was that was a great movie. But um
0: So many so, of the other movies though are misrepresenting and not really not hitting the story of I guess true to life?
1: Yeah, true to life and just I having been in, in Hollywood for a couple of years too, I was very big on like I want to women to be represented in in a more positive light and like they're not just set pieces they're not just oh the arm candy for this male leading action star like there's there's not enough of that and they they always say you know write what you know and i'm like well i don't know a lot about movie making and whatever but i have years and years and years of being in this very specific world and i think i can contribute to, to to women in Hollywood or, and and move that forward in this very niche way. I know enough about this that I can do this. And so I, I, I sat down, I wrote the script, and I, I sent it to my mom, who's been my greatest ally and supporter in skating and my education and everything else. And I said to her, I said, if this is crap, then I'm going to put it away forever. Like, I need you to be honest with me, but if it's good, if you, if you see it, then – I'm going to go all the way with this. And she read it and she called me and she was like, Madison, this is, this is so good. This is amazing. I I can hear it. I can see it. Like this is your world. You can do this. Let's do it. And after that, I was like, okay, like I'm going to do this. Um, and so it was, it, for me, it was really cool because I wasn't, I didn't get some stamp of validation from somebody big in the industry that, Oh, this is an amazing script. You can, it's like, all it took was my mom. Believing in me and and that was what ignited me to to go from having an idea to going into pre production, going into shooting it, going into getting it on a major platform and, and everything else wonderful that's happened um since then with the film.
0: So your mom believed in you?
1: Yeah. And that was enough.
0: I can yeah. see and if you're listening to this on audio, I wish you could see Madison's face right now. Uh you're lit up like a Christmas tree. You know, there's nothing I don't know, there's something special about mom believing in you, you know? It's oh, like it's just such a cool thing so you write the script you decide okay maybe this is real maybe i'm going to do this and what what was tell me i want to get on the creative side but i also want to hit the business side of this too so what goes into deciding okay this is going to be a feature movie i'm going to or create this film what is it and you don't need to share your details of your budget or whatnot unless you're comfortable doing that but like what does it take you know, to, I need to, did you raise money for it? Did you, how do you go about, okay, I I, certainly, it's gonna cost money to do a a solid film. What's the business side or the money side structures look like? Again, you don't need to share specifics if you don't want, but what's the structure like?
1: Yeah, so basically, what has to happen is you have to be painfully organized. that it's really this point where you have to hang up your creative brain and you have to let your, your business brain come to the front. And one thing that I did is I started this, this notebook, um, which I could write a whole book about this notebook. It's called a, a risk notebook. And basically what I did is, is every day I would write like a new, Risk or like a new challenge or a new task that I had to get accomplished to progress the film forward At the top of the page and I would write down. Okay. Why am I nervous about this? Why do I not want to do this? What time did I do it all that stuff and I would just track um, Everything and then by the time the movie was done. I had this whole notebook that showed How it happened (laughs) really and so that included things like okay I need to figure out how to get my LLC. I need to figure out Um, who are going to be my investors? Who am I going to cold call? And what does that pitch look like? And where am I going to shoot it? You know, I got to get my flights, like all of this stuff. But what it comes down to when you, when you want to make a movie is you have to realize that, um, yes, you need money, of course, but the the thing that's more important than getting the money is knowing how to spend it. Because I've seen filmmakers all the time, they get all of this money for a project and then they blow it and they can't finish it. And so my philosophy was all of the money needs to go into what I'm seeing on the screen. Meaning that I don't need to be bringing divas into my project that want expensive trailers and fancy coffee and I want people that are passionate about the project, that want to further their career, that are talented, that are interested in seeing the best project possible on the screen um what a great
0: value system too is just i I love the it's it's a way to make a decision isn't it like okay if it's gonna make the what shows up on the screen better that might be worth an investment and if it doesn't we have to question should we do it so we don't get those bagels because why would you waste some money there when you could put it onto a slightly better quality of paint for the prop or whatever it is it's a really great way to make decisions
1: And you really can, you have to decide, do you want the process to be glamorous and to feel like a movie star? Or do you want the film to look like a million dollar movie? Because, you know, my mom and I, we produced it together and we were, we were, we cooked every meal. Like we didn't get fancy catering. We cooked, I would, I would cook with her on set till two in the morning and then the cameras would roll at five and then I'd be acting, you know, it's like we just, we stepped up and there was nothing glamorous about that process. It was work. It was work because if you don't have the money, you have to, to fill it in with just more work. <laughs> um, but I'm so grateful for that experience because now I've been brought on to, to um, you know, produce on some bigger projects with bigger budgets and I know how to stretch a dollar and I know how to really make most, um, you know I, I feel I would feel very comfortable like transitioning into a studio model, having those sort of grassroots skill sets that I that I learned on this film.
0: So you bring a lot more as a producer too than just the money because I think when I think of producer, usually it's oh, someone just backing a film with money. you know, you see the executive producer thing, but yeah. you're bringing in a, a whole different skill set to it. So kids listen up. Number one thing is have a budget, know how you're gonna spend your money know where it's going to go and then have a value system is that's what I'm gleaning from you right now. Madison is have a value system for how you're going to spend it uh, and what you ultimately want to produce. Uh, tell me about the distribution of, well, maybe we will come to that a little bit later and we're going to go a little bit long on this. So, you know, we can figure it out. We might split this into two parts. So if you're listening to some part one or part two, Hey, here we go. This is too good to give up. So uh, while I have you, I don't want to, I don't want to give you up. Um, you're you're in the middle of producing this. How do you deal with acting? And did you have a director or were you directing too?
1: I did have a director. Oh, um, praise God. Yeah, Peter Paul Bassler, a very talented director. We actually bonded right away because he is a big Kings fan. Um, and I, I'm a big hockey fan. So we were like, okay, we, we got that in common. He was very patient and very wonderful throughout the whole process. Um, but as far as producing and acting, it was very, very challenging because you do have to go from this sort of instance, okay, you know, how are we running on time today? Is our location set? You know, is everybody fed? Are we good to go? You're, you're constantly managing problems, but then you also have to tap into this um, creative person, this different character right on cue. And so if I didn't have the team that I had with, with Peter, the support of my other actors, the support of my camera team, that would have been nearly impossible. So I really attribute the ability to do both, not the, that I'm like a superwoman that I could do both, but it really was, I was smart about creating an environment of support and hiring the right people that helped me carry out both positions.
0: So you, Wow. So having the right team around you as far as being able to act and you're producing at the same time, because I'm imagining having those different hats. It, it's nowhere near uh, as easy as my job running live events and seminars, but I imagine there's some some crossover as far as when I'm producing my own live event and then I'm also kind of quote unquote the star of it where I'm on stage maybe 90% of the time. I got to be the talent on stage, but then I'm also connecting and, I, you know, we have production coordinators and, and people that, that do the work, but still, Hey, it's still my vision from the back of the room as well as from the front. And it's your vision for behind the camera, as well as in front of the camera. So the movie is ice, the movie it's available. Uh, we have, we're going to put a link in the show notes here at fuzzy And you can actually get, if you like to check out Ice the Movie, you can get a Blu-ray DVD. or Not a DVD, but a Blu-ray that's different than a DVD. You can get the Blu-ray, I believe it's a signed copy. Is that right, Madison? There's availability for a signed copy. It's also available on Amazon Video as well. So if you want to buy it on demand, you can get that. And I really encourage you, especially to check out FuzzySoakers.com. Uh, and, and pick up the Blu-ray cause you're supporting, uh, I mean, you're supporting one of us, you know, this is a grassroots producer, writer, actor, and I figure the more Blu-rays that Madison sells, uh, the more projects you can be involved in down the road. So I'm a big supporter. I'm excited. Um, I'll be buying it on both. So I want to have it on digital and, uh, on Blu-ray. And it was exciting too. Like, I was, you know, I was sitting at home, I'm, uh, I'm preparing for this interview, and I'm flipping through on the Apple TV and I'm going through on Prime Video and just going through, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is Ice the Movie. And like, my new friend, right, Madison Bullock, has her movie right up there on my Apple TV. I think that's, it's just one of the coolest things, and that's not normal for me at all. So I'm still, I'm very excited to, to be able to have even met you, someone who has a movie on my Apple TV. This is incredible. What was the distribution like? So just business-wise again, and we'll we'll circle back around and kind of close up with some of the creative aspects if that's okay. Um, but on, on the business side, so so I want to produce a film. I'm doing it. I'm making it happen. Do you secure what your platform and your distribution is going to look like? Did you make it, oh, and did you do a theatrical release or a limited release or was it a Blu-ray, digital? All of those are great options. How do you decide between those and what makes the decisions happen or what makes the opportunities available?
1: Right, so it is a, it is the wild, wild west in the world of distribution for um, new filmmakers. It is very, it's very scary. Um, (laughs) There are a lot of distributors that will, promise you the world and then take your film, take the rights, and then your film is never released on a platform or your film is released on a lot of platforms, but they're, they're taking so big of a cut that you never make any money back. It is, it's very scary. And so this is a
0: separate um, company. I just want to make sure I understand that there's separate companies that are, that are distribution companies and you could take your film that you produced and paid for and go, all right, sign up with a distribution company as a contract, and they're, are they almost like an agent in a way? They say, great, now I have it,
1: Yeah, now I'm gonna
0: put it somewhere, and I may or may not.
1: Right, they'll take it and they'll say, uh, a couple different things can happen. They may take it and say, well, we like it, and we'll take it if you change X, Y, and Z. And in that case, some people will put in thousands of more dollars to reshoot this scene or do that, thinking that they're pleasing this distributor, and the distributor will say, okay, great. So I'm going to take, um, 60% and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get it on this, 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 this. Um, and then, you know, a couple years go by and they're not really pushing it. And and you have to wait for that contract to expire so that you get get the rights back. And it's just really scary. (laughs) Um, and so since I really did create ice from the ground up and it was so, dear to my heart and I really wanted to get this out to the world to the skating community that helped me make it um I've wanted to further my career I, all of my actors in the film I was like they're so talented I want them to have this in their hands I want them to be able to show it to get new agents and get more movies and I want this out I want it out I don't want this to be stuck in this distribution system where it could just go into oblivion for a couple years so I was very fortunate with the timing of this film because Amazon um, released a direct distribution option, and very very new. It had only been around for maybe eight months before I finished Ice, and basically you could put it up on Amazon yourself. And you without having set- to have
0: the intermediary, very much like Create Space and their author program, you can put. Uh, a great book directly onto amazon not have to worry about the old school publishing world which is dead anyway
1: right yeah no very very similar and what a extraordinary opportunity for filmmakers and they they have a lot of requirements so your film still has to meet certain specific standards and pass some tests and things like that because they also want to separate themselves from um youtube youtube YouTube. something and throw it up you know and and of course, Amazon takes a percentage of course, but um, it's it's just a it really, uh, I just, I couldn't be more grateful that that had become available at that time. Um, so then uh, we did Amazon and we also, so the the, the trade off is that you have to work double time on your PR, right? So like, nobody's putting it out there for you. Nobody's marketing it, which I was fine with because I was like, well, I don't think anybody knows my audience, my target audience quite like I do. So I think I can work with that. And then what I did is I, for theatrical screenings, I worked with different figure skating clubs um, across the country and actually across the world a couple in Australia to do these um, theatrical runs where you know skating clubs could raise money for their clubs through split ticket sales or they could fundraise to help send to skater to nationals or all these different sorts of things where um, it was a way for the, the film to spread awareness but also like Getting back to my original mission with this film was to create a product for skaters that spoke to skaters that honored their their journey and, and making them feel like they were a part of something, not just like, oh, yeah, I watched this movie, but like I was a part of this movie. So we took a very unique um, path with distribution. There were a lot of people that were telling me, like, oh, you can't do this. You can't whatever. And I was like, well, my movie's out, and it's getting great reviews, and, and people – like it, and my actors, including myself, are being seen and recognized for their work, so I'm very happy.
0: And I can't do it? Well, watch me, I just did.
1: That too, which also feels pretty great.
0: It does, and then again with you know I'm talking about with with social media following with email list and distribution there's oh, so many options and so many things we can do and even you know coming on on shows and on podcasts like this uh, I hope this will be able to help and man there's it, it's free and it's unlimited and you know you're looking at at people that have reaches that you don't need to have this big media company behind you like it used to be, and I find it's almost instead of looking at the large networks and saying, this is our demographic for this and for that. It's, it's even better than demographics because it's, it's like psychographics. You know, it's, it, it, you can look at someone's audience and instead of saying, well, my audience is males that are 34 to 39. It's like, no, no, no. My audience are people who are into this and hate that and have this kind of leaning political view or whatever it is. And you can really get to the people yeah. who are going to love the work you've done.
1: And that's uh, another... Note of value for up-and-coming filmmakers too is if you can make sure that your script has a certain number of of universal themes that can connect with different people with different belief systems, with different priorities, different passions. That's also um, a way to ensure that your film has some degree of, of high-level success. So, Ice the movie is a movie about figure skating, but it's also a movie about a father-daughter relationship and family sacrifices and what it means to follow a dream. And there's a a best friend story in there. So this idea that this is a film that can speak to people that have nothing to do with skating was also um, also ended up working out really well.
0: When you write a story like this, did did you start with kind of the storyboard of, of the idea of, hey, this is in general what the story is? And then you started like breaking down segments of it before you ran a script or did you just do a script from start to finish what's tell me tell me a little bit of the creative process of getting a story that's film worthy
1: so there's uh, so many different ways to go about writing a screenplay and there's a million different books that will tell you it has to be this way or it can't be this way and that's that's really not true that the hardest part is fitting it all into that hour and a half, two hour, you know, what are people gonna watch? And it's a process like any art where you're just, if you have this sculpture, you're just constantly chipping away at it until you get the final product. So it's a lot of time where you're you're just, you're writing down a ton of ideas and then you're just getting more and more and more specific. And my challenge was I had so many stories within skating that I wanted to tell. And then I realized that the most powerful one that I wanted to tell that hadn't been done before was really about friendship and this odd um, uh, contrast of how do I take an individual sport and make a best friend story about two girls that are rivals and best friends. And when that idea popped up on my little mind dump session or whatever, I was like, ah, like that's a story. I can work with that. And so then I just hyper focused on that idea. And then everything else um, played out. Technically, my favorite way to write a script is the, the note card method. A lot of famous screenwriters use this, where you each note card is like one um, scene. You don't have to write down super specific details of the scene, but you write like, "Okay, walks to the fridge it does this," and then you write each one down on a card. You put the cards on your floor, and then you can just shuffle things around and see like, "Okay, where." where's my story from the beginning, the middle and the end and what needs to be filled in.
0: That That's, a, that's the same method, very similar to, to writing books and the same method I use for laying out live workshops and, and seminars even. A little different because a live seminar that goes on for say like three days doesn't have to be a perfect story, but right. the best ones also do have a story arc, right? They have a... Uh, so I'm thinking, where does the audience, where are they emotionally, mentally? How well do they know each other? What do they need to know first in the beginning? And then how do you arc into like a peak experience? How do you come down off of that? How do you go into the next of, session of learning? I think a lot yeah. of teachers and speakers don't think of it like that. But, you know, whether you're laying out a workshop, you're writing a book, or you're writing a screenplay, the, the note card method, I haven't used it for a screenplay, but I've used it for the other two, and it works brilliantly. Um, final couple questions as we're coming towards the end of our time, Madison, um, you, so you were one of the two ice skaters in the, in the film that was the, the friend story and the competitors and also colleagues and having what that is, right? You're supporting yeah. each other, but you're also competing in some stages and what that, that kind of struggle is like. Were you the good twin or the evil one?
1: Uh, You know, there actually is a separate character who I would say is closest to being the bad guy in the film. So it really isn't this dynamic of of the bad one and the good one. It's more the dynamic of they're two totally different women and athletes. And... I actually created these characters by taking my personality as a skater and splitting it in half. Sort of being like there's this very elegant graceful side to my skating but there's also the athletic powerful side and there's the side of me that sometimes is more reserved and then there's the side of me that is uh, more of a go-getter. And I was thinking this is how cool would it be to just like split my own personality as the writer and then write these two girls. And that's what I did. <laughs> and so when you see the film, they're, they're like, oh, wow. Like they're just, it's like yin and yang, but they really need each other. And it's like, I know my secret is they need each other because they're me.
0: <laughs> wow. That, you heard yeah. it here first. I didn't know that.
1: So like, I, yeah, I actually—you may be the first person that I've said that to in an interview. So, so those
0: two main come. characters are really you split apart, and I love that. That like, how can you wrap your mind around the fact that oh, they need each other and they they complement each other so well, and it's like, well, because they split from the same person. Right. What a great idea.
1: And they have this. One of them is really at a, a high point in her skating career, where she's doing it for herself, and she's very. Playful and childlike, and the other one is entering this sort of dark period of like, where what am I doing with my life? Is this sacrifice worth it? And they have these conversations where they're like, I don't know what's going on, and I just feel like so many athletes have that that time. Like when you're asking me about my in my teen years, like when did I ever think I might do something else? Like, I'm there's so many athletes all over the world that have that hard moment where they're like, who who am I? What am I doing? Who am I becoming? So. Um, the two girls, a.k.a. Madison Bullock, split in two people.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. Well, the the film was called Ice the Movie. It's out now, available on Blu-ray at fuzzysoakers.com. You can search for Ice the Movie there. Uh, If you look at our show notes, we will have a special link that you can get a signed copy available Uh, on a blu-ray or you can also get it digital download today tonight right here right now wherever you go on your phone go on your tablet or go onto your uh, smart tv and you can watch it right now tonight with your family it's called ice the movie written directed and produced by madison bullock um madison final question as we wrap up our time together you've been through obviously a ton of you know ever since you were a little girl from skating through training through theater and arts and and now acting and producing, I'm sure you've had some times that you might, I don't know, not look back as fondly on. If you could change anything you've been through at this point, what would you change? Or would you leave it all the same?
1: I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. I would say, if I could give myself advice, I would say to enjoy the process a little bit more. It's not always about the, the victories. I mean, it, it, was, it was great having the premiere of Ice the movie and, and all that stuff, but there was definitely joy to be had in, in being in the trenches and, and that, is this gonna happen? Is it gonna not? So as trite as it may sound, I, I would just say that uh, I wish I had, when I was younger, enjoyed the journey a bit more instead of always searching for the next prize.
0: Well, I will tell you, if there's ever a time when you need another announcer in a pinch, like our friend Chad Ridgely came in, if you ever need one, I'm available. I will come to LA. I'm happy to to come in. Uh, you know, I mean, if there's if there's a spot, if there's a spot, you know, for uh, for someone in your next film, you know, just um, hit me up. I'm here. I'm available. Or if it's just, you know, a media row to promote stuff, I'll bring the show on and, uh, and I'll have you and any other any actors or anyone else you want to have come on. I'd certainly love to have them on the show. I sure appreciate you spending the the afternoon with me. Thanks so much, Madison.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Oh, and make sure you follow her, of course. We'll put these links, but follow Madison on Instagram and Facebook at Madison Bullock. And you can follow her on Twitter at Maddie, M-A-D-D-I, Bullock. Like the Sandra, but Madison. So Instagram and Facebook, it's on. Thanks so much for coming on, and I will talk to you soon. Have an awesome weekend. Get out there and crush it. And especially watch ice the movie.